0: you want to have a healthy life, you want to find the right diet, you want to find the right way to work out, you want to find the right way to get strong, the right way to be fit. There's really one best way, and we're going to talk about it here on today's episode of The Movement Movement, the podcast for people who want to know the truth about what it takes to have a happy, healthy, strong body. Starting feet first, typically, because you know those things are your foundation. We break down the mythology, the propaganda, sometimes the flat-out lies that you've been hearing about what it takes to run or walk or hike or play or do CrossFit or yoga, whatever it is you like to do and to do it enjoyably and effectively and enjoyably. Did I mention enjoyably? I know I did. I said it twice because it's that important. You're not having fun. Do something different until you are. And we call this the movement movement because we're creating a movement that involves you, and I'll say more about that in a second, about natural movement, letting your body do what bodies are supposed to do, the way they're designed to work. And the part that's about you is really simple. Spread the word. The way you can do that is easy. Go to www.jointhemovementmovement.com. You'll find all the past episodes, you'll find all the places you can find this podcast, all the places you normally find podcasts, as well as our social media channels, etc. And then like and share and give us a thumbs up and hit the bell on YouTube, all those things you know how to do. In short, if you want to be part of the tribe, please subscribe. So let us jump in. Brian, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you, Stephen? I'm doing great. Um, Do me a favor and uh, introduce yourself and tell people who you are and what you're doing here.
1: So my name is Brian Tabor. I uh, run a personal training business in San Diego, California called Strong Made Simple, working with people obviously online mostly this past year. I come from a background of strength and conditioning and uh, got a master's degree in exercise physiology and even competed in Strongman and won a lightweight national championship way back in the day. So really what I do is I try to take the lessons I learned from those things and help people to get stronger so that they can do more of the things that are important to them, not necessarily spend more time in the gym.
0: I didn't know that strongman had weight categories.
1: Yeah, neither did I when I got started. That was actually a funny thing. Whenever I went to go try it out, the people I was meeting with, they were like the state chairs and they're like, wow, you're really good at this. You could do well. And I was like, Uh, I don't know if you've seen me, but I weigh (laughs) like 170 pounds, and you all are double my size. And they're like, there's weight categories. Now, at the professional level, no. It's like you're either Brian Shaw or you're nobody. But amateur level, there are weight classes under 175, under 200, under 230. The one thing is people usually laugh. They're like, under 175 is the lightweight. And I'm like, (laughs) yeah.
0: It's like, dude, I weigh 147 right now. You know, in fact, I love the idea of CrossFit, but the guys who are like the perfect CrossFit competitors are like 185, 190. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I can pull 300 pounds, you know, not a problem, but not as well as someone who weighs 190. So, yeah, yeah. fascinating. So all the same events, nothing's changed, just slightly different weights?
1: Slightly different weights. And I mean, sometimes pretty similar weights. Like, I mean, I had contests where, you know, the heavyweights were moving a 700 pound yoke and they're like, hey, it's 600 for you. And I was like, but he's two of me.
0: as <laughs> well, you know, so, Other thing, I want to have um, height graded competition for some things. Like, I think there should be a height graded high jump because I'm five, five. So, you know, I have no, I stand no chance against someone who's six, four, but proportionally I got pretty good, you know, leaping. So if they would only do age graded, weight graded, height graded competition, I think we're onto something.
1: I dig it. But the, like the power lifters and the strength guys would be like, just don't be so little. (laughs) And, uh, I think some strongman contests, like they'll take your yoke height for like the, how high the bar is for the yoke you want to carry. And they make that like your stone over bar. Height. Oh, so the, interesting. So the taller guys, unless they want to squat really deep to pick up the coke, they got to move the move the Atlas Stone a little bit farther. I've only seen that in a few competitions. I don't know how often people really do that.
0: Well, in professional and not in powerlifting so much, although they do weight categories as well, but Olympic lifting, you know, I mean, there's like these super lightweight guys who, mm-hmm. who weigh 120 pounds and they're lifting three times their body weight and it's not it doesn't look as impressive because the numbers aren't as big there's not as many plates on the side of the bar but i mean what they're doing is mind-blowing
1: yeah and i mean the speed at which they move the weight like you start Breaking down, and thinking about
0: it, you're like oh. crazy. <laughs> I went to my first powerlifting competition when I was in in high school. They had one at our high school, and I was just kind of curious. And seeing guys who were a fraction of my gymnast size lifting weights that I've never even conceived of before was one of the most incredible things I'd ever seen. And then I went to before the Atlanta Olympics. They were doing all the Olympic trials out here in Colorado, and I went to watch the the Olympic lifting competition, and. It was so amazing because first of all, they're doing incredible things, but also it was a very intimate crowd and you know, the adrenaline that all the lifters are feeling you get. And it's like, you get so into it. I mean, it was just amazing mm-hmm. and so much fun and super exciting. And then I went to see it in, at the actual Olympics in Atlanta and you're so far away from where they're <laughs> lifting that it just didn't, it was like, eh, whatever. I'd better, better watch this on TV. Really gotta get the inoculars. Yeah. It just wasn't fun at all. But anyway, let's jump into the topic uh, that I teased with. You know, look, if you go into a bookstore, you're going to find that there's a best diet for you. There's the diet that's right for everyone. There's the best workout, whether it's high intensity intervals or whatever the hell it is. There's the best workout. There's the best whatever. You know, we just got it. It's like this one thing. That's all anyone needs to do. And it's going to work out perfectly. You apparently may not agree with that. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: No, I mean just the same way you want everybody to kind of live feet first and, and get to where they're kind of more in tune with their toes. I want people to feel stronger in what they're doing. And so I immediately want to help people when they start telling me about their fitness goals, Think about, okay, what do we do to get stronger? What do we do you know, to help improve this? But uh, the reality is, um, my system using uh, and what I do with a barbell and dumbbells, is not always the best for every single person, just because some people don't like the way a barbell feels or Mm. the way a dumbbell feels. Uh, Other people love kettlebells because that, that everything's fast and snappy and it feels a bit different. Um, But then there's the other person's like, I hate that kettlebell on my arm when I try to press. So you need to find what's fun for you.
0: Mm. And that is, You know, you just said something that I'd never thought of that's so interesting. First of all, for people who are just listening to this, they can't see that there's a green barbell behind you on a rack. <laughs> um, so first, the fact that you have a barbell on a rack behind you is fun. But um, I didn't even know they made green barbells. You know, I don't mean that it's environmentally friendly. I mean, it's actually green.
1: Yeah, this is from uh, American Barbell. And it's just one of their, it's got the, the Cerakote finish. And I mean, you can get barbells from American Barbell, Rogue, and what's called Cerakote. And it, it comes in pretty much any color you want nowadays. And so, oh, yeah, this is, I mean, boy, get a barbell to
0: match your decor. Uh, yeah, I
1: can show that if we're you're probably going
0: oh, green we couch, down green here. Barbell. The, oh, yeah, that's good. That, that, happens. That, that would make my wife extraordinarily happy. But the point you made of, you know, some people just don't feel comfortable with it. I never thought about kind of the psychological relationship between you and the implements but it's really true i mean a barbell there's a feeling about that that might not fit the way you something the way you think the way you feel you know dumbbells the fact that it's a slightly unstable thing and you're you know doing stuff independently in each arm you know that might feel less comfortable because you don't have the stability of a barbell but a barbell is kind of an imposing thing i mean it really is it's almost weapon-like frankly
1: very much so i mean whenever I, I get to meet with people in person, I do it at a university rec center on campus at San Diego state university. And it's, it's awesome. Cause I meet a ton of different types of people and, you know, uh, different professors, faculty, staff, students, and, you know, some people come in and, and they're like, you know, I see you in that weight room all the time, but I'm not really sure that like, that's my thing. Like, why don't we just start with some dumbbells? Like we don't, You know, you don't have to get under a barbell or let's, let's use this machine or the cables if that's where you're more comfortable. I think the key thing for helping people to achieve their fitness goals is, is letting them start where they're comfortable. You know, so many times we tie into a system or a tool. And then once we have that tool, if it's a hammer, everything looks like a nail. We think everything's got to be that way. But if we want people to get fitter, stronger, and healthier, it's just about progressively Meeting a little bit more challenge, you know, and practicing those movements to get better and more efficient.
0: And have you seen as people progress that maybe their relationship to the, the implements changes?
1: Oh, absolutely. And I mean, you might find somebody, I have clients that will start off, they're like, I really don't want to use a lot of weights. Can we do mostly body weight exercise? I'm like, that's great. How many push ups can you do? And they're like, none. I'm like, we are <laughs> going to do a push up and we're going to get stronger. And you know, we stick with that and we focus on mostly body weight and movements and then they knock out a push up, and then they knock out five and then they start eyeing that barbell because the person <laughs> next to them are like, okay, I did this thing. I, I can accomplish this. And I think once people have that sense of accomplishment and then they can do something and get stronger, yeah. then they start seeking out the other things. But so often they get thrown to the wolves or to the, the marketing diet that doesn't work. They're not really sure that they can be successful with their health and fitness. So when you give people some quick wins, it opens that up to them to not just be tied to one thing.
0: That's a really interesting point. The accomplishment, uh, one of the things that I find really unpleasant, this happens in the business world and it happens with kids today, is people (laughs) who talk about building confidence without having accomplishment as the base. And confidence Mm -hmm. is not a thing that you have without having something real behind it, some actual accomplishment. And right. and I, I love the way you're bringing that up because it is interesting that as you do get more comfortable with some of these things, your relationship with them really does change. I mean, I remember, you know, when I was deadlifting heavy, um, which I don't do so much anymore cause I've got a messed up back and, like my spine's basically broken, but that's a whole other story. But nonetheless, you know, like at first having the weight that you can do is comfortable. You like that. But then you get to a certain point where it's like, you just want to challenge yourself. You are just going to get another couple of plates on that bar. And the, literally the relationship that I feel with my, I haven't I never thought of this. The relationship that I feel with my barbell is so different now than it was when I first started lifting, first started using and first started lifting heavy. And now, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a. It's <laughs> going to sound horrible. I mean, it's it's a friend. We're trying to accomplish something together.
1: And I mean, this isn't the first analogy I would bring up to somebody that's new and a little intimidated by it. But it's funny watching somebody go from "I don't like holding the barbell; that gnarling like hurts my hands." To then, you know, months down the road, they're like, "Look how bloody my shins are!" Because I was like really <laughs> dragging that bar up for the deadlift. Didn't I do yeah. good? And, like. <laughs> yeah, we should get that cleaned up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's totally fascinating. And it's a similar thing if we talk about running. Like I find I find it really <clears throat> kind of fascinating as a sprinter, these ultra runners, you know, it's not my gig like when people talk about doing a 100-mile race, I don't like driving 100 miles. So not, you know, I don't like driving 26 miles. I'm not even sure I would like driving a 5K, frankly. So, you know, it's not my thing, but I find it really really interesting. Seeing the people who are getting into it because what is clearly making it work is that progressive sense of accomplishment of going beyond what you thought you could do and then from there going beyond that even. And frankly, and this is going to sound silly, we've had people who, when we first started Zero Shoes and we just had a do-it-yourself sandal making kit, I met people who said, once I learned I could make my own footwear I started making a whole bunch of other things. I started repairing my appliances. I started fixing things I would otherwise throw away. It was, you know, it just opened up this possibility that um, I had never thought about. Kind of the the global effect of just those little accomplishments and how they roll out into your life.
1: Yeah, I always laugh because in that same sort of vein, I didn't own many tools until I was like thirty. I remember I like called my dad. I was thirty. I was like, "Hey, Dad, I bought a power drill." He's like so i was like i'm like fixing stuff around the house here it's good liz is into that's my wife (laughs) he's like all right good for you and i'm like no i'm totally handy now
0: (laughs) um someone sent me a housewarming present my wife and i just moved into a new to us house and they sent me a really good drill and impact drill and i could not have been happier i mean good tools man Oh, boy. Like, I would have never paid for this one on my own because it's, like, more of a tool than I thought I deserved. But having it, I just feel awesome. <laughs> <laughs> just out in front of the neighbors. Just, yeah. I'll walk around with it and Elena says, it's Home Improvement Man. <laughs> yeah, it's totally nice. it. It makes me extraordinarily happy. So, backing up, you know, somebody comes to you. The name of your company, again, for humans who missed it? Strong Made Simple. Made simple. Talk about the simple part of that.
1: Well, you know, the simple part of that is I really try to just get people to focus in on I think most fitness professionals now are just consider like these are big basic movement patterns. And everybody kind of has their own little iterations of it based on how they teach it. But it's like an upper body push, an upper body pull, lower body push, a lower body pull, or you know, if you want to call it a hinge or a quad dominant, and then some sort of core work or rotation and however that all ties in. So I try to get people to focus in on what are we going to get the most impact from with the, or yeah, biggest impact with the least amount of effort. What's our low Mm -hmm. hanging fruit. And then we just practice that. We're not trying to constantly vary and change things. We want to stick to the things that are going to help us make the most progress and then consistently practice it. You know, Sometimes that means pushing it and making it really challenging, but other times that means just staying within what we know we're capable of and kind of honing our movement patterns with it. So I'm always looking for those big compound movements for people to do, but I will meet people wherever they're at within reason on, and like what tool we use, what regression or progression we use. And we start there. And I usually try to find something that's honestly a little too easy. So in those first days, guess what? They're stacking up wins and they're like, oh, wow, cool. I did that. And then we get the next
0: one. So I want to talk about what, you know, how you would stack up those wins and start with something really small, but I want to back up to the first part. So people really get it. Like, so the upper body push you, there's, if you think about it, um, there's different angles. So you could do, you know, like a military press, overhead press, mm-hmm. you could do a bench press. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's a, still a push, but you're lying down. So those are two most common uh, upper body push exercises pull pull pull-ups or chin-ups or rows so same idea Mm -hmm. you're either you know starting with your arms above your head or you're starting like the basically take a bench press and turn it upside down uh, for Mm -hmm. people who are trying to get that one way of thinking about that Um, for leg stuff squats are the obvious thing that lift is kind of an obvious thing i know a lot of people get very intimidated by both of those exercises and rightly so because Mm -hmm. if you're if you aren't if you don't sort of master the form, it can be problematic. So those are just some examples of, you know, you want to think of any other examples on those core compound movements that you want to toss in?
1: Um, you kind of hit it right there. And it just depends on, you know, changing which implement they use or if they're using body weight and, and going from there. I feel like I had something and I, I lost it a little bit. But, I mean, that's pretty much it. You push things yeah. overhead. You push things of. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Um, most of the time, I have people... Push and pull things horizontally. You know, oh, I work with a lot of people on a college campus. A lot of people that spend a lot of time at computers and desks. And I mean, even if they're not on campus, a lot of people spending time at computers and desks, pushing and pressing and pulling weight overhead. Just honestly, isn't that friendly right away? You right. know, I'll do kind of a, a bastardized amalgamation of a of an FMS screen. You know, and if they're not getting anywhere close. touching their hands together behind their head when they do that or you know they got that crankiness like all right cool we need to you know we're going to start addressing that with some mobility patterns in between your other exercises so we're just going to kind of mix the medicine with the uh you know with the fun stuff and get it in there
0: that's a really interesting point. About, so, for people who don't understand FMSO so about functional movement, so that's another interesting component. Is that people do have things, ways of moving that they're good at, ways of moving that they're bad at, and that's an interesting challenge or opportunity because you, on the one hand, you don't want to put yourself in a bad situation by making something that you're bad at worse, but mm-hmm. if you're bad at it, that means there's something to address, and it's usually. In my experience, I'm curious what yours is. You know, to address that, you normally have to back up to something that is almost childlike or childish in the movement, just to kind of find a way to get things to head in the right direction. Have enough something. I mean, you've got when you work with people about some movement problem, what Mm -hmm. do you find yourself doing most often? And I want to go back to that thing about horizontal pushing and pulling, and get some examples about that too.
1: If they're not able to do any overhead pressing, I can often revert to like a landmine press because it's kind of up. And forward and pretty friendly. And then in terms of trying to improve that mobility through their shoulders and their thoracic spine along the way, those just become things that we start adding in to warm ups or during rest periods, if it's not too taxing, and they can kind of work through, say, T-spine extensions on a foam roller and, and those sorts of things so that they're still recovering. And then they can get back to their main movement, which might be a lunge or a deadlift pattern. That they're comfortable with and then over time as we see their mobility improving it's like oh hey look how much closer your hands get together behind your back or you know they're like oh it's a lot easier to take off my bra or to take off my shirt and do things like you get those comments like all right we're on the right path
0: happily i find it pretty easy to take off my bra that's Um, good (laughs) <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, just, you know, right away. Do you find that when people do have some, uh, given, you know, how much time people are spending in computers and how much time they're spending sitting, are you finding that people, the biggest problem people have is sort of um, like a lack of strength in, that would put them in proper alignment or are things that things have just gotten overly tight. So something lacking or something overly done. Are you seeing a pattern? I think,
1: I think it's a combination of both. And I try to when I approach the idea of like, hey, we're going to try to loosen things up. We're going to try to stretch. I mean, I tell people that we're not actually lengthening those tissues. We are kind of changing your body's motor pattern in in relationship between the antagonists that work around a certain joint. So one of the super common ones I see is is anterior pelvic tilt and just kind of really disengaged abdominal muscles and tight hip flexors. And it's like, we don't want to just try to stretch out our hip flexors because they're tight in the front. We want to train our abdominal muscles to give us support from the front of the pelvis. We want to train our glutes and hamstrings to create tension from the backside of the pelvis and hips so that we can have that balance. I often tell people, you know, when they're walking around, Try to imagine you got the like the shiniest belt buckle in Texas and you want that thing shining straight ahead. And they're like, wait, what? I'm like, well, you'd kind of pick it up. You wouldn't let it just like point down at the ground. You're trying to lift up. So that is like a really common one. I'm trying to engage the abdominal muscles. So we're not just thinking of my abs do crunches. So right. thinking like My abs help me keep my pelvis in a good position and start my posture from the pelvis up, even whether it's when they're sitting or when they're standing and walking. That's a really, really common one.
0: You know, the thing about having the engaging the glutes and the hamstrings to get your pelvis in line. So anterior pelvic tilt—the front of your pelvis—is tipping down, and that, like you were saying, can come from tightness in the um, hip flexors, for example, and, and laxity in the glutes and hamstrings. The lack of strength in glutes and hamstrings is one that I see so, so often, even among people who think. They're doing a lot of things for that, like, you know, runners where we Mm -hmm. just see it all the time where, you know, you poke your finger in their glutes and there's no tension there. And you say, now just try to, you know, make it so that I can't poke my finger in your glutes so much. And they're like, oh, my God, that's what my butt does. And in part, (laughs) you know, in part, it's because it's behind us. We don't see it. And so we don't mm-hmm. get the feedback that we need to, you know, have it be obvious that that's problematic. And that's what, like you said, that supports your entire torso, that supports your back, that gives you additional strength. And people don't, mm-hmm. you know, don't, just don't have that relationship. Same thing with like things with your shoulders, we don't see our back. So we aren't paying attention to things that would open up the chest and have the back engaged in a way that can get your shoulders aligned well. Exactly. And then one
1: of the ways that I can usually address this with people. And then also they get a light bulb when, because it all starts to click together is, you know, we may start off doing some dead bug drills where they feel their abs or some breathing drills, trying to feel their midsection working. It's like, okay, now we're going to do a glute bridge. And I want you to squeeze tight through the glutes. And now, Give me that big forced exhale. And they feel their abs signing up. It's like, okay, we're working through. Now squeeze your hands together. So your lats and your upper back get engaged and like, okay. And at first it's like, well, what are all these things? It's like, well, now do you feel that you put all those things together? And then they stand up and give them a light dumbbell or something. It's like, now I want you to do that do goblet squat again and right. do all those things, put them together. And they're like, oh, why? Let me move from the 15 pound dumbbell to the 30. I'm good. Let's go. <laughs> you know, they're like, That's... I didn't know this is how it worked.
0: That's so interesting because I hadn't thought about it, but most people do think about the body as individual parts. I'm working on my glutes, I'm working on my arms, I'm working on my whatever, but they all do relate that way where if you don't engage the whole thing properly, you're not using the first thing properly. Mm-hmm. That's really and interesting.
1: Another really good example, and it, it ties into minimalist shoes and, and things like that is you know marching drills. Get people into A stance where they can march It's like, okay, I want you to press down and really use your toes into the ground and then draw your knee up nice and high. And they're like, ow, my glutes like cramping up. It's like, yeah, because you're connected all the way down the floor. You're able to create that tension all the way up and through now. You're not just flopping around on a peg leg.
0: (laughs) It's so funny you say that. In the last couple of weeks i've been doing a hip flexor exercise basically i strap a weight to my foot i stand with my back against the wall and i just lift the knee of that foot that has the weight attached to it and while mm-hmm. i feel it in my hip flexors i feel it just as much if not more in the other side glute yep. and so i'm not doing anything for my butt but the next day my butt is more sore than my my hip flexors
1: yeah and i mean people when they feel those things and you can and tie it all together for them it all starts to make more sense. And, mm-hmm. and you can say it to them in a way that is, is still their language and the words that they would use be like, Hey, you feel that right in your ass cheek. And they're like, yeah, to go through <laughs> and, you know, and you know, you start speaking people's language instead of trying to tell them about their piriformis or things like, that. like yeah, we're going to, you're going to feel it in the right. side of your butt. You know, right. you're going to rotate over speaking to people in the language that they already use, even if it's not, perfect fitness speak that you would yeah. get at like a, a conference, you know, you're there to help those people understand it, not to go speak to colleagues.
0: So now yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, backing up to the whole thing of starting with, uh, especially with horizontal pushing and pulling, can you give some more examples of that for people who, cause I like the idea of uh, people who are listening or watching. I mean, you know, we don't believe there's a one size fits all something, but there are common factors, let's say, and so there's, you know, things where we're all basically built fundamentally the same. So using those basic core compound movements, pushing, pulling, et cetera, these are variations of that. So I want to, you know, make sure that people are able to walk away with something they can experiment with. So can you say more about the horizontal pushing and pulling?
1: Yeah. You know, horizontal pushing might start with something. I, I try to get a lot of people to do push-ups. I have like a how to do your first push push-up guide on my website, because it's that thing that like. People equate being able to do push-ups with like, hey, I'm strong. It's the thing mm. that the guys in the military do. Push-ups, you're strong. So it's a, it's a big win. But that might start with pushing against a wall. It's just pressing forward. And now that is horizontal relative to the earth. And it gets more challenging as we move down to the ground. Even though our arms are then vertical, it's still horizontal relative to you. Horizontal mm. relative to your posture and pushing through. So it might start with just moving down. In levels to make that incrementally more challenging yeah Yeah. Yeah. and then once you get that and everything's tight along the way you're probably going to realize that well i'm still i'm horizontal pulling but all those muscles that i had to get tight when i did glute bridges and planks those all have to come into into play so i can still do horizontal pushing good horizontal pushing isn't separate from all the other core bracing ideas right and going through that so
0: I was talking to some powerlifters recently and who gotten into zero shoes and they said I'm setting personal best because my because the shoes are letting my toes spread more and I can grip the ground more and I mean I hadn't heard anyone say it before they go bench pressing starts with your feet and people never think of it that way and then you watch a professional powerlifter and mm-hmm. the position they're in it's like it doesn't look like what happens when you go to a gym and watch people just bench pressing it's a whole mm-hmm. body thing that is a completely different game.
1: Yeah. I mean, as soon as your body and your nervous system starts to perceive that you're less than stable, you don't get to push as hard. You're the back little lizard part of our brain says, uh, uh Nope, not stable. Don't do it. And it's people often want to do chin ups and it's like, okay, well, how long can you hang from the bar? And if they can't hang from the bar for at least 20, 30 seconds, there's not going to be a lot we can do with with other things. We got to just, just work on grip and get stable and connected through the hands. So the nervous system starts saying, Oh, we can use these other muscles a bit more because we're not going to go ripping away from the bar and fall on our butts.
0: And to your point about, you know, tightening everything when you're doing a glute bridge, similar thing for doing chin-ups and pull-ups. Like most people don't think about really gripping, you know, really trying to hold that bar, grip that bar mm-hmm. tight and what that does to add the tension everywhere else, let alone, you know, tightening your abs so the rest of you is stable while you're lifting that thing instead of being mm-hmm. floppy, which can, you know, move you around. I really love this idea that we're playing with of just getting the whole body engaged and what most people think of as single joint or, you know, s- simpler movements.
1: Yeah, I mean, even compound push or pull for the upper body is going to benefit at, from additional tension elsewhere in the body. Mm. Now, that's true for strength, but then there are also exercises where you kind of have to teach people how to turn it on and off to do well. And that's where I think you start getting into a little bit more of, this isn't just about absolute strength for someone, but learning how to use it and turn it on and off in an athletic manner. You might be able to speak to this more, but well, one of the things that I often heard is sprinters aren't fast because they push on the ground harder than everybody else is that they can turn it off so that their leg moves freely and spins back around to do it again faster. Because if mm. you try to keep all that tension, you move slow right. so they can turn it off and on and do that quick ground reaction force faster than anybody else. But then it, it turns way off just to spin back around and take that next step. So I've always kind of liked that. Like you got to be able to turn it on and off to do things more athletically.
0: When I first started sprinting again, um, when I was 45, it was fascinating to me to feel how much better. I could run when I was focusing on relaxing. Mm -hmm. It's like how much, how little effort can I put into this? And you're right. I mean, the thing that I felt is that my cadence picked up that I'm just moving my legs faster, which was, it seems really counterintuitive, but you know, then you have the experience and who cares what you think the experience just told you. So that's a good one.
1: I ran hurdles in high school and I did the one tens and the lows, but I love the one tens because it was like you had three steps, and right? Then you, then you go. And if you got it just right, it felt like you barely touched the ground. And it was just like, that is like a crazy feeling. I try to, I've been including more running into my own workouts and stuff lately. Uh, I live close to the beach and the bay and it's been mm. running around. So I've just been adding in little pickups and I'll see like, okay, there are like five tile squares. I just want to try to recreate that feeling. Like, how fast do my feet float over?
0: five concrete squares, and then I'm back to my easy run. I watched... Have you seen the show, Your Honor? I'm going to say something bad about Mm -hmm. Brian Cranston. So it's on Showtime. Brian Cranston's a star. And in the first... I just started watching it. It's uh, really anxiety-producing. For anyone who doesn't know, it's the story of a judge. His son accidentally hits a kid and kills him with his car. And it happens that the kid is... And they're going to go to the police and, you know... Fess up. And then uh, Brian Cranston's character discovers that the kid that his son killed is the son of like the biggest mob boss in town. And so, oh, we can't tell anyone because then we're all going to get killed. So, but anyway, the, the first part of the, of the show opens with him running and he's running in a way and I like, couldn't figure out what he was doing. It looked weird. And it was really that he was kind of like walking really fast so he wasn't hitting the <laughs> ground in that light way that you described. He was just kind of like landing on the ground and then pulling his foot underneath him, and he was accomplishing running, but it certainly wasn't what <laughs> was going to be enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's a, neither here nor there. So, backing up, so we did. We talked about horizontal push. Talk about horizontal pull.
1: So horizontal pulls—that's that's, that's going to be all of our big rowing movements. So one-arm dumbbell rows, seated cable rows are usually the ones that people are the most comfortable with in a gym or some sort of machine. You can put your chest against, you just pull and pinch through the shoulder blades in the upper back. These are something that I honestly, even though I, I'll put a lot of emphasis for the push-up because people can buy into it quickly, they may not realize that like, oh, we did. You know, push ups and then rows, and then I also did some squats, and I did rows with those too, because our lives happen in front of us and in our cars yeah. and on our phones, so we're always kind of pulled forward. Horizontal pulling is is a really important, one. so we start to strengthen those muscles that help us to kind of. It's that same relationship of being tight or loose, having a good relationship in the tension between the muscles in the front of our body, our pecs and our shoulders, and those muscles in the the upper back so that we have that relationship. Our shoulders can sit back and we can have good posture. And as often as people just start getting more of that horizontal pulling, it's like, oh, wait, I can get my hands overhead. And they don't even realize that, you know, unrelated to a corrective drill or whatever, they're just doing rows. Now their overhead mobility is better.
0: I had um so I'm a former All American gymnast and all gymnasts that I know come out with bad shoulders in some way. And so the my right shoulder is kind of wacky and I couldn't reach the middle of my back, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't remember where I got the idea, but I just decided I set up a, a chin up bar in the door of one of the bathrooms in our house. And so I just had a thing where I decided I'm gonna do five chin ups or five pull ups every time I go in or out of the bathroom. And mm-hmm. I was amazed. I'd seen so many massage therapists and physical therapists who tried to loosen up things in my shoulder. But when I just started strengthening things by doing that <clears throat> pulling, not horizontal per se, but I really focused on engaging yeah. the engaging my back before I engaged my arms. I was mm-hmm. amazed to see how much more flexible my shoulder became from building up that strength from that pulling motion.
1: Yeah. And you're also just working through a big full range of motion, stretching the lats right. and all those muscles right. through the back each time you do hang. Vertically.
0: Yeah, that was a really interesting one. Um, You said something about pulling that gave me a thought. You know, one of the problems with pulling exercises that I think for many people is you don't get the same pump that you get on things that are in front of your body. Yeah. Like you do bench pressing and you feel your chest is pumped up, you do rowing things and you don't feel like your back is pumped up.
1: Yeah. Sometimes with things like that, you can kind of, you know, again, add something fun. To the medicine so back and biceps day people love it because guess what every back exercise or like pulling exercise is a little bit of a bicep exercise you add True. another bicep drill in there and it's like oh wow i'm feeling pumped up through my arms It's like yeah but we're also doing a great job of pulling the shoulders right. back isn't that great and people start having more fun they like the way that feels a
0: little bit of you know pump when people ask me about what i do for working out i go well since i'm still competing as a sprinter I focus primarily on things that have value to me as a sprinter. And then because I'm vain, I do some bench pressing and chin-ups.
1: Yeah, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that
0: no look it's just the way it is you know I, mm-hmm. I i like i like it when i when i'm taking off my shirt and my wife goes "Ooh," uh, i'm all for that so i don't need it it's completely useless if i'm putting on weight in my upper body it doesn't help me run and i can't not do those two exercises <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the
1: it's, it is. there's absolutely nothing wrong with that and you know some people want to like poo poo of like is it functional or whatever their definition of functional is, if it means right. it carries over, if it's on a, on a unstable surface wire is like, if you're enjoying it and it, it's good for you and it's not hurting you, like go for it. And if you like the way your t-shirts fit better, awesome. It's just <laughs> one more path and window into all the other awesome benefits and things you can do.
0: Yeah. and I mean, I bring that up in part to kind of come back to what we started the conversation with is finding the thing that really does work for you. Because while there are like these common principles, um, these compound movements, the part that works for you, the right tools, the right implements, the right exercise, the right, mm-hmm. et cetera, you know, that is the Holy Grail. And it's, do you have any thoughts about how people can figure that out or do i I'm, first i'm going to have people you know find out how they can find you but considering that like every book in the health sections of the bookstore is like here's the one thing you need to do and they act as mm-hmm. if it's the one thing that's right for everybody since that's not true do you have any thoughts about how someone can if they're really new to strength training in particular but just you know anything find that thing that really is right for them that does fit them instead of trying to, you know, put a body shaped peg in a different body shaped hole.
1: I would say either A choose what just immediately looks interesting and fun. If you think that's dumbbells and barbells, go for it. If you're like, I like what those kettlebell people or that steel mace guy is doing, go for it. Start moving, start learning. But also, and I think this is probably more important for most people to start. What is the path of least resistance? Like, what can you fall over when you, you know, walk out your door? Like, oh yeah, I like that. I'm, I'm trying to do that thing because if you're not into the habit of exercising and you're not into it and you're not going to drive 30 minutes to the gym, you know, yeah. you're not going to take that stop on the way home from work or get up early to go to it. It's too far out of the way. So do whatever is the most accessible you can do with a friend so you have something that makes it, gives it a fun factor. And then the fact that I have a few clients that remind me of this, there are some people that just don't dig exercising, you know, <laughs> they always remind me like, remember your idea of fun is not our <laughs> idea of fun. I do this because it helps me feel better and do the other things I want to go do. I want to go feel good and go hike, or I want to go surf. I could care
0: less about this hour in the gym it helps so, me do the other things. Yeah, it's like, I, I don't like working out, but I like having worked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's totally fine. That's like, fine. If I that's think, the way your brain is wired, then that works. Yeah.
1: I think yeah. the best thing there is just to relate the benefit of like, why are we doing this? You yeah. know, always having that, that reason of why we're trying to, what we're trying to accomplish, keeping that forefront of those people's minds. So that's you got to really figure key. out, what's right for you? Are you the type of person you need to know why you're doing it? Because exercise really isn't your thing. That's how you get going. If you're the type of person that you just, you're not into the habit and it's, it's different, but you might get into it. It needs to be the most easily accessible path of least resistance.
0: You know, you just gave me, it made me think of something that hadn't occurred to me before, which is that you know exercise how do i want to say this there are a lot of times where we think that there's a problem with us that's actually it's not a bug it's a feature of being mm-hmm. human and it just occurred to me that most people don't like exercise because it's not normal like the way we evolved exercise was just part of our daily life mm-hmm. we needed to pick things up we needed to put things down we needed to carry things we needed to get place to place it was just part of our life to make it artificial it should seem weird. I mean, not for everyone, but it's not surprising if it seems weird because it is weird. It's a somewhat artificial thing. People, I don't know that anyone's ever thought about this, but like, let's say you're working on one of our home improvement band projects um, and you can be carrying boxes around like all day. You'll get tired. But if you look at how much weight you move during that time, it's probably more than you would have done if you went to the gym. But it's oh, yeah. just part of what you're doing. And so there's a whole different relationship to that. So, you know, yeah. if if exercise seems wrong to you or unpleasant or whatever, you're not broken. It doesn't mean you need to find a way to make it seem good. That's probably a sign that you need to find a way to integrate something that's, let's call it fake exercise, mm-hmm. that accomplishes that purpose. That doesn't feel like that kind of imposition. And that imposition, you know, that's a reasonable position to have.
1: Yeah, and... They're athletes that don't like going to the weight room. Like it's not their thing. They like to exercise, but like, that's not their thing. The only reason they're there is because they know it makes them go out and compete harder. Their thing is winning.
0: There's a video of Usain Bolt in the weight room and he's just like constantly talking about how much he hates it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, it's the worst. And, but he went and did it. And so it's an interesting point. There was another, oh crap. There was another thought that you just gave me. Find a way to make it. Oh, you know, another one is. So you and I are very much the same way. If it's not right in front of my face, it doesn't exist. So mm-hmm. that's why I've got my home gym near a place where there's a television um, where I would just sit and do nothing and the gym is right there. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's just not going to happen. But for some people, they need to get out of the house. For some people, they need to go somewhere. <laughs> I flashback to something, my my a story my father told about his father. Let's just say my father's mother not the nicest woman. And so my dad's growing up and my, and he said to his father one day, why do you go out every morning to get coffee in a newspaper? They can deliver the paper here and we can make coffee here. And my grandfather says, then how would I get away from your mother? (laughs) <laughs> and so, you know, if you need to go somewhere because that's the thing that's helpful for you, then cool. But, you know, if you're joining a gym because you think that's the thing that's going to make you go to the gym, might not be the case. And, you know, maybe you do need just a couple of somethings underneath your feet in your house mm-hmm. that allow you to, you know, do whatever you can in the most natural, easy way possible. Again, we're, we're just playing with this idea of I'm hoping that people are thinking about what do I actually like like mm-hmm. I said at the top of the thing, if it's not fun, do something different until it is, basically. And most people just don't think about that when it comes to exercise. And then, boy, don't even get me started on how people get messed up with that thought when it comes to diet.
1: Yeah, totally. And I mean, I have this space in my house. Yeah. It's not my favorite place to work out. Like, it's convenient Funny. and it works well, but it's imposed from the pandemic. My favorite place to work out is honestly... Some other friend's garage, <laughs> not even necessarily a gym. I want to go yeah. to, I may have all the same equipment in my garage right. or in my little space here, but I want to go to my buddy's garage. Cause it's not the place where I lay, lay my head and relax. It's not the place where I eat food and chill out that his
0: garage. That's fun. Well and you know and some of it is his it's his garage and some of it I would argue is probably because it's him. And like you said before, you know, find a partner. So the social component is such a big thing that's so overlooked. When I was a 16-year-old gymnast, I started writing a book about fitness and the first chapter was find a friend because this shit's hard. And mm-hmm. you know, even when you're making it fun, there's times where it's hard and there's times where you just wake up and even if it's not hard, you're just like, ah eh. I want to do it, but when you have someone you're, you know, accountable to, I mean, I have that with my training partner now. Um, there are times on any given Sunday when we go hit the track, at least once a month, one of us will look at the other and go, "Oh, I'm so glad you were here, because otherwise I was going to take a nap."
1: Yep, and I mean, maybe you both get there sometimes too, and you're like, "Okay, I made it here because you're here," and you're like, "Well, I only made it here because <laughs> you're here." Well, we're here.
0: Well. and <laughs> And, you know, there's times where we have that and we start warming up and it's like, uh, this is not going to happen. But by the time we're done warming up, we're ready to go or we do that first sprint and it goes better than we expected. And it's like, oh, okay. The fact that I feel like crap is not an obstacle, well, you know, I can keep going end up not feeling like crap at the end.
1: And that's definitely one of the things I try to tie in with my programs and my clients. I meet with almost every single client in a small group of typically two to four people. Mm-hmm. And the big thing that I always hear from people is like we are so happy that when we do this, we get to connect with other people. Yeah. That you know, even though we switched and and moved everything to Zoom for this past year, like I got to socialize with more people and and do more. I don't even try to shut down the conversation like in workouts too much, especially this right. last year, because you never know who hasn't talked to somebody all week, or oh. and, and so if they want to talk and blab. I'm like. You know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, hey, I got to say one thing. Tell somebody what they got to do. And then it's like, cool, back at it. Talk. Because, I mean, that's part of all of us being human and part of our old natural conditions. We want to talk and we want to communicate and see each other.
0: I've got to tell you, our, our customer happiness team here at Zero Shoes was reporting that phenomenon that people were calling, and it was clear that they didn't really have an issue that they needed help with. They just needed someone to talk to, and oh. you know, if if you look at the the duration of calls that we had pre-COVID and during COVID, and they went up significantly. People just like were so socially starved that to be able to mm-hmm. pick up the phone to talk to someone you know made them very very happy let's say we were semi happy to accommodate every now and then we'd have to go, <laughs> yeah look we got three other calls during this i really i mean i've really got to go you can try back at another <laughs> time <laughs> yeah you got to get a uh, point them to the Facebook group. Go talk to other zero shoe wearers. We do that. Well, you know, I do an ask me anything on Facebook once a month and it's, it's really entertaining. There are people who've come to like every one <laughs> that I've done and they, all they want to talk about is like, so what new recipe do you have? And I'm happy to do it. Um, <laughs> I've, I mean, I've become a really good cook during COVID and some of the stuff that I fa- have found is, you know, weird, like chocolate hummus. I did not know that was a thing. It is now one of my all-time favorite things. Wow. <laughs> so if you want the secret of chocolate hummus, you have to come to the Ask Me Anything. and okay. uh, Or you can just look up chocolate hummus on, on YouTube and you will find a bunch of recipes. <clears throat> I will tell you the secret is taking the garbanzo beans and peeling off the skins. And, okay. uh Because then when you blend it up, it's smoother. So
1: I like that, it. Yeah, pro good. tip.
0: Yeah, that is a you know, total pro tip. Um,
1: I may have to come to one of the ask me anything at some point. I don't even think I've mentioned, but I have like several pairs of zero shoes. I got the Bodhi shoes. I got a oh, pair of the sandals. Yeah. Oh, I've yeah. had like two or three pairs of the Hanas and the Prios. And the sandals, I can't remember which ones I have. A, they're amazing for walking around Europe in the rain. Yeah, um, My wife and I like to travel a lot. And we've been like all these different areas, you know, and little different streets and stuff have little puddles. You're in a pair of sandals, like, eh, my feet are wet. You got shoes yeah. and socks on, you're like, my feet are wet. Like I've had so much fun in the sandals to be like, I don't care if my feet are wet. Like I'm just in these open sandals walking around. And then, you know, the other times, I I normally get a lot of steps. Like, you know, 15 is a is a low day for me whenever I'm in the gym bouncing all around and stuff. But we've had some days where I was just like wearing the, the Hanas and it's like, we got like 45, 50,000 <laughs> steps today <laughs> and all on cobblestones. And I've been kind of, at the end of the day, after, like, stepping on all the cobblestones, first it's like, oh, it feels good. But then by the end of the day, you're like, I think my feet are beat up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, look, when you do too much, you do too much. It's sort of funny, yeah. my version of that, and thanks for sharing that. My version is, so with one of our sandals, the Z-Trek, which is basically just a thing, <clears> of <throat> rubber, and the Z-Trail, which has a little padding on it. When I wear the Z, if I switch from the Z-Trail to the Trek, it's like, oh, my God, I can feel things again. And then when mm-hmm. I switch back, it's like, oh, my God, I'm getting a rest. <clears throat> feeling so much. And so, you know, again, there's not a thing there. It goes back and forth. It's sort of when people ask, you know, what's your favorite shoe? I go, it's the one that I happen to be wearing now. And then I will have forgotten another one. And then I put that on and go, oh my God, that was my favorite. How did I forget that? (laughs) So they bounce back and forth. But I love... We had that same experience when, when Lane and I first started wearing basically nothing. There's a amazing trail just outside of Boulder that has about 12 different creek crossings, and we would get to those crossings, and we'd, we'd watch people trying to figure out the problem of how to make it across without getting their shoes wet, and we're just walking through the creek. And they're looking yeah. at us like, I want to do that. It's like, well, here's a card. <laughs> we sold a lot of shoes on that trail. <laughs> nice. That's a good one. Well, so wrapping it up, if people want to find out more about what you're up to, whether... It's um you've already mentioned some stuff that's on your website, some resources that you have on your site, or finding you directly, especially since Zoom is a possibility. How can they find you?
1: My website is strongmade If you go on there, I've got an ebook called push-ups and tacos. It's like the San Diego fitness guide because it's it's all the things <laughs> <laughs> it's the things I've been talking about. Like I want people to get quick workouts in that, that meet their needs of like getting stronger and developing some mobility. But then there's also a list of like a bunch of different things you can do outside for workouts. And then the same way that people like program their workouts in, I tried to program in like the recreational activities of like, cool, this day you're going to go for the hike. This day you're going to go for the surf this day. You've got a 20 minute, you know, workout and then you're going to surf again, like do the fun stuff. And then it's pushups and tacos. Like instead of trying to figure out which diet is right for you or this, that is, you know, talking about like, Hey, let's just learn how to eat slower, slow things, eat Mm -hmm. without distance, enjoy the hell out of your tacos and the cerveza. San Diego's got tons of great beer and just really slow down. So instead of shoveling it in and and staring at your phone, learn to be a little bit more mindful so they can kind of see what I'm about through the pushups and tacos ebook. I'm going to be updating that with more workouts and and ideas and things in there. Uh, You can find me on Instagram. I'm always posting weird stuff on there now, the reels and and things. That's just at Strong Made Simple. Super easy. Anything Strong Made Simple, you can basically find me. My email is Brian at Strong Made Simple.
0: That's it. If When you update the book, um, please make sure you include in the taco section the magic of Oh my god! I just lost the word. Are you uh, going to talk about red iguana or something. Oh my god, no! But that's my favorite restaurant in I the world. Told you
1: I've been listening to some of the podcast no. you say something like that around somebody from San Diego about that. <laughs> you are like, uh, San hey,
0: Diego's while the red, while the red iguana is my favorite Mexican restaurant so far. I'm happy to find something that leaves it in the dust. I'm not married to, you know, when people say, are you satisfied? Like people who call me about marketing things for zero shoes, they go, are you satisfied with it?" I got stop right there. I'm not satisfied with anything. That's how we built this business. So I'm always curious about, you know, whatever the next thing is. I spent, when I lived in Manhattan, I spent 10 years in Manhattan looking for the best cold sesame noodles and the best che- piece of cheesecake for under $2. Those, <laughs> those were missions that I was on for 10 years. It was great. I like
1: the under $2 caveat. <laughs>
0: uh, had, to had to be. And ironically, the best cheesecake that I've for under $2 was at the place like a block away from where I lived that I walked by a hundred times without ever walking into until like the end of my mission. And then I went, Oh, eh, well, let's go check it out. Holy crap. So here's what we have to add for tacos: pickled onions.
1: Oh yeah. Pickled little
0: pinks. I mean, I didn't realize how easy it was to make them, and now um, we always have pickled onions, and I put them on practically everything. So you know, pickled onions. I will have to see how easy they are to make myself. Variations on a theme. The magic, you know, Lena likes things a little sweeter, so I add some sugar, which otherwise, which is not the normal thing to do. But um, so you play with. Basically how much salt, how much sugar, but otherwise it's, uh, it's essentially like a cup of water, a little less than a cup of vinegar. It doesn't matter what kind, just plain white vinegar is fine. Good, you know, good amount of salt, sugar to taste, throw a really, really thinly slice a red onion, throw it in there, give it an hour, and it'll last for a week or so. If you don't eat it all within a day.
1: This is what people are going to be getting on the Ask Me <laughs> <laughs> among,
0: among other things, I'm happy to share yeah. recipes. So you know, it's like, what, and you know what's? When it comes to cooking, I'm, let's do cooking made simple because I'm a huge fan of things that are gourmet flavor that take like no effort whatsoever. And, uh, pickled onions is one of those. And, you know, I'm also like one of the things that I used to bring to dinner parties was you find the black bean, like re, um, what's it's like refried black bean mix. So it's basically just dried black beans, add hot water and you get black bean dip. But then you okay. add, you add a, um, a jar of salsa. And whatever cheese, vegan or not, that you want, you know, a good chunk of cheese to make it a little stretchy and pulley. And whenever I would bring that to dinner parties, that was like the thing that disappeared instantly. And it's five minutes. So like, you know, I like it. gourmet made simple cooking made simple. We'll do that too.
1: I have a friend and a client that she started a, like a home food delivery meal kit service yeah, and she called it savory made simple.
0: Oh, nice.
1: It was super cool. I think, I think she ended up selling it already and stuff, but it was it's, fun.
0: Well, it's undeniably true that the simplest thing is that someone brings it to you. Uh, there you then, go. Yeah. <laughs> but in lieu of that, when we don't all have personal chefs, how can we make you know something really delicious, really simple? I have become a grilled cheese master. Do you want to hear the secret to grilled cheese? Sure. Cherry jam. Ah. Little thin layer of cherry jam on the inside. Some of those pickled onions, your favorite cheese. And then, you know, if you really want to get fancy, you do some cheese on the outside, too, and let that get crispy.
1: Oh, yeah. We bought ceramic pans. And the ability oh, to melt oh. cheese in a ceramic pan, it's, it's kind of dangerous. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's what actually what – there's a restaurant around here that would do that. Uh, Parmesan cheese, they throw it in a ceramic pan and just, you know, until it becomes like a crunchy Parmesan wafer. Oh, man, I could mm-hmm. eat those all day long. <laughs> so, it's keto. Uh, yeah. And vegan. Yeah, I'm, it's I'm well, not a keto. Not vegan. But, oh, Anyway, it's true. All right, dude, this has been a pleasure. We could keep doing this all day long, I'm sure. Um, I hope people do take you up on uh, going and checking out your website and finding all those resources and hooking up with you. Let me know if uh, how that happens. And for everyone else, thanks for spending this time with us and our conversation in the rambling places that it went because that's what happens in my brain. And uh, a reminder go to www.jointhemovementmovement.com. You'll find previous episodes and you can subscribe to find out about upcoming episodes and all the places you can interact with us to be part of the movement movement where you are helping things move by liking and sharing and thumbs upping and hitting the bell on YouTube and all those things you know how to do. And if you have a question or a request or someone who you think should be on the show with us with me i guess that would mean then just drop me an email move at join movement.com and of course if you want to try some super super awesome shoes that's at zero shoes xero shoes.com like it says on my shirt for people who are watching and most importantly go out have fun and live life feet first